This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Um, how many of you have been on the road lately and asked yourself, why is that person still driving? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And how many of you are like my husband, when you go around them, you look to see what do they look like? You look in their window, you, you, you take your eyes off the road, and for five solid seconds, you look back at them. Raise your hand, be honest. Yeah. My husband is the biggest culprit of that. And you're asking yourself, here's, I know what you're asking yourself, are they old? Are they female? I'm not wrong. So here's the deal. We all judge. We all judge. And it's not people who are just older, and it's not people who are just younger, and it's not people who are just women, I'm sorry to say, men in the room. And there is no stereotype, but what we do know, you guys, what we do know is that with older age and older bodies come some challenges. Can we all agree on that? Yes. Okay. I can promise you, Chris and I went to a wedding this weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, and after the wedding they had a reception, and in the reception there was dancing. And I learned that my body no longer likes dancing in heels for three-hour increments. That's new for me. Because in my 20s, I could dance for hours. How many of you agree that your body changes, right? So now at 51, I need to take my shoes off to do those crazy things, right? So there are just some things that change in our body. Our vision, our cognitive abilities, our, our flexibility, all these things. And they're going to talk about these today on the panel. What I want you to know about this topic today from me as the organizer of this topic is our goal is not to get people to stop driving. We're not here to try to talk you into stop driving. We're not here to say when you should stop driving. Really what we're here for is to help people inform themselves as to their own decision about that, because ideally we'd rather make our own decisions, right? Not the doctors or kids or someone else. And secondly, if you do need to stop driving or modify your driving behavior, that you have some resources for that. Because until the last month or two researching this topic, I had no idea some of the cool stuff out there to help people with this, including people, not just stuff, but people. Can we all um, appreciate the people in the room who brought resources today for this subject as I bring our panel. Bring our panel up and give them a hand. Guy that you want to be friends with. 
right? This is the guy you want to be friends with. We like friends, right? So you're not the guy that's going to give them a ticket when they fly the parking lot today. I recognize several faces. Right, okay. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And I want you to know, I, I sent him an email and asked him if he would be on this panel, and within five minutes I got a response and said absolutely yes. And guys, that, that says a lot um, about his role, and he takes it very seriously, I appreciate it. Either that or you're really bored that thing. Nothing goes wrong all right. All right, very good. And then we have two folks from Newview, Oklahoma. So Renita Jones and Mark Ivey. And I got an opportunity to talk with them on the phone uh, as we prepped for this topic. And I'll tell you what, talk about a wealth of wisdom here. Uh, I'm going to have them tell their own stories, but I'm going to tell you what I appreciate most about them is that they are walking the talk, right? Um, a lot of times you go someplace and people uh, tell you what you need to do and they have no idea what you're going through. Well, these two have a lot of knowledge about what we're talking about today in terms of their stories. And so I'm really grateful, not just for their professional knowledge uh, at Newview, but also for their personal knowledge. So thank you guys for being here today. All right, and then we have Ms. Deputy Tara Harden, who I threatened her today that if I didn't have a picture of her, I was going to put up this picture of this trooper that had a shotgun and a skirt, and she was standing like this, so she let me take a picture of her this morning. Yeah, uh, she didn't think that was a very good idea to have that doppelganger up there in public, so uh, we're glad to have her. You all, have, uh, almost all of you know uh, Deputy Harden. If you don't, she's the SALT. Uh, council coordinator. She does all the education training around the city on scams and proper prevention, and uh, so we're just so grateful to have her today. Uh, I don't know if you all know this all, but I'm also going to out her a little bit. She's also a uh, ordained minister in the Methodist Church. Do you guys know she's also a preacher? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so she and I had the, an opportunity to talk about that, and she comes to this topic with a lot of knowledge, not just from a law enforcement field, but also from a clergy um, standpoint and for dealing with people um, just every day, like people every day, right? Okay, so are you guys ready? Yes. 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 All right. Oh, before I start, let me just tell you, if somewhere along the line, when we get on the panel, where we talk about resources, I am going to have some of our education partners come up, and they'll stand down here by Deputy Harden and hold a mic and tell us a little bit about their resources as we get to that point in the program as well. All right. As always, you have a handout in front of you. Uh, your handout, uh, if you want to flip it to the second page, is probably the best place because those are going to be basically the questions that I'm talking to them about today. Um, you also have a evaluation form and you also have a document that we'll be talking about as we get rolling here. So go ahead and get there where you can take notes. All right. I guess I should probably get the correct document if I'm going to ask the right questions, right? Okay, ready? First thing for the panel, you guys, talk to us about what are some of the challenges you see with driving as people get older from your perspective, either personally or professionally. So I'll just start here with you. Can I call you Bob? Yes. So I don't have to remember the sergeant uh, part and all that Please call me Bob. Okay, Bob. All right, you start. Okay, very good. Uh, first, I would like to say thank you to this group for your immense support for law enforcement. When there was, yeah, thank you. When there was a movement to defund safety and peace. So we, we thank you yeah. so much. Amen. But um, some of the things that I see 
uh, even as we get older, or even in younger folks. Distracted driving across the board is the number one contributing factor to many, many accidents. But as we age, and as I experience it myself, is our ability to accurately judge the speed of other cars, and also when turning or lane changing, is uh, being able to judge that car coming. And then personally, um, some of you all, when you hit another vehicle, you keep driving, okay? Because <laughs> it happened to me on I-40. A senior citizen bumped into me, and traffic was a little heavy, he kept on going, and I was in my personal car, uh, so traffic stopped on I-40, and I got up, and I said, sir, you hit me back there, uh, why didn't you stop or pull over to the right? Well, I didn't think I caused any damage. I said, well, how do you know? And there wasn't any damage. Uh, but yes, distracted driving. So you have to stop, Bob? What's that? You have to stop? Stop. If you hit somebody, you have to stop? You should stop and pull over okay. to the Just right. But don't, don't stop in the middle of I-40. <laughs> pull over to the right. Do not pull over to the left of the high-speed lane. If you get a flat tire, don't pull over to the left. That's the speed lane on the interstate. Always try to pull over to the right. But I'll uh, turn it over to the rest of the panel. All right, I'm going to come back because I have a couple of follow-up questions, so hold that thought. Yeah, Renita, what about you? What do you see happening? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, so in, in my current position as the, the senior director at Newview, um, we see a lot of people that are seniors in there. That's our main population, and what we see is, is people who don't want to admit that they've lost enough vision that they can't drive any longer. So, um, so that's a conversation that we have to have with them. And we, you know, in the state of Oklahoma, it's not uh, mandatory that we report, but we absolutely document it, and we absolutely let them know that they're, they're, they should not be driving on the road any longer. So, Renita, talk about your story. Tell them a little bit about your driving experience. Okay, so when I turned 16, I had an eye disease, it's called Stargardt's, and um, it's a form of macular degeneration. It's the juvenile onset of macular degeneration. So um, by the time I was, so I was not able, that's how I knew that I had something wrong with my vision because I couldn't pass my eye test to get my driver's license. And that's a rite of passage, you know, that's when we become free birds and we're able to travel. So, um, so, but there's a thing called a bioptic lens, and so I was able to go ahead and drive, but I had to wear these special glasses, which were not pretty. But, um, but I did drive, actually, until I was 56. And there's, those were a lifesaver for me, but at some point, like she was talking about earlier, at some point, I had to make that decision that I was no longer safe on the road. So with a lot of different, like, near misses. I have an angel that followed me around all, literally all my life and kept me from having major accidents. But, um, but at 56, I decided I couldn't drive any longer because I was going to either kill myself or kill somebody else. And, and uh, that's when the realization hits you and you have to just say enough is enough. And that turns into a whole gamut of, of issues for how do you get where you need to go? And what life changes does that make for you? And how do I get to my doctor's appointments? And uh, you know, there's no going and meeting your friends after work anymore unless you have really good friends that'll come and get you and take you there. Um, one of the one of the things I did want to say is, is 
when she was talking about being um, a little judgmental is you probably probably every one of you when you pass that car or when somebody almost runs you over or whatever your first response your first um, comment is what are you blind you know? <laughs> um, and, and I can tell you that that could be very accurate it could be very accurate because there's a lot of people out there that definitely meet the, the criteria of legal blindness and those glasses that I used were not for everybody and definitely not for the senior crowd because it takes a lot of getting used to and a lot of um, a lot of training, training to yeah. do and so um, and as we get older and I'm 62 so I'm right here with you guys as we get older we don't learn as easily and we're not as good at using those types of devices and so those kinds of things are not necessarily always available so we're going to talk more in a minute about what Renita does at New View uh, as well so hold that thought yeah thank you Renita uh, Mark, let's go on down the line and we'll get you next. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. You doing all right? Good. Uh, <laughs> talked about when it's time to give up driving. Um, I am blind and I did try to drive here. My car is parked on the front T-box. So. <laughs> <laughs> Bob over here said, I'm giving you a ticket. I've never had to give this one before. <laughs> I do not drive. Um, I'm also not a senior, but I know what um, giving up your keys feels like, which puts me with a um, lot of similarities with, with senior folks when it's, when it's time to stop driving. Uh, Renita over here actually taught me how to use this cane, so I traded my keys for my, my car for my cane, and she's kind of like a used car salesman when she's selling people on cane. She said, <laughs> she said Mark, what do I gotta do to put you in this cane today? <laughs> um, but you gotta, you gotta have fun, right? Um, but no, when I did, when I realized it was time, um, you know, Renita said, kill yourself, kill someone else. Um, that's dark, but it's real. Um, I was driving, and just so you all know, I have something called retinitis pigmentosa, and I have no peripheral vision and no night vision. So it, it's like looking through paper towel rolls. Uh, you all, you should have about 180 degrees of vision. I have about a little less than 10 degrees, just to put that in perspective. And it's gotten worse over time. So I was driving because it, you know, I used to have more vision, but as it slowly digressed, um, that's when issues started happening. And I'll never forget uh, pulling into my neighborhood. Uh, I, I wasn't speeding, but I was going way, way too fast when children were playing. Um, and that has a whole new meaning now because I have a, a three and a half year old little, little girl that I love to pieces. And I drove through my neighborhood and as I was pulling up to my, my parents' house, I heard yelling, and I looked in the rear view mirror, and I saw a dad just trucking it down to me in the, on, the, on the street, my foot, and just gave me an earful when I got out of that car of the danger that I put his kids in. And, um, you know, I it's, uh, just went up to my bedroom and was not, I was just sad, you know. And But also it was an eye-opener that um, it, it is time to give them up, and um, we're not here to, like everyone said, everyone's different. You don't, you know, we're not here to say give them up, but um, you'll you'll probably know when that when that time is right, and if you're lucky, it's not going to be an accident. It's going to be uh, just like I said, an eye opener that puts things into uh, perspective. But glad to be here. Glad you all are allowing us to be here. And I'm going to pass it to the. You did not give me a ticket, by the way. Yes, make sure you blame that on, on Bob. That, that was not on Bob I think, Mark, in your spare time, you should be a stand-up. Yes. 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 
Tara, what about you? What do you notice uh, out there when you see this happening? What are some of the causes? Um, from a professional standpoint, I would say probably one of the things that we notice is uh, medications. Um, as we age, our medications change. Um, and then also um, your need for food. Um, if you haven't eaten, if you're diabetic, um, we all have had those moments, even when we're younger and if you're not diabetic, where maybe it's been, in fact, I had one yesterday. I was standing in our fleet office and I realized it was 10 till three in the afternoon and I was feeling a little woozy and I thought, I haven't eaten or drinking anything today. I probably need to take a break. Now when you magnify that with medications or with medical needs, those are things um, that we have to reassess at different times in our life. And, and age doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with that. That's something that we need to reassess often throughout our lives. Um, from a personal standpoint though, I would say it's that it's just that self-assessment piece. It's that looking at yourself and being honest with yourself and having those honest conversations. Um, I'm looking around the room and I know every one of you at some point in time have either had that conversation with a parent or a grandparent. I was my grandfather's caregiver in his end years and we had to have that hard conversation and it was very difficult. I've also had to have that conversation um, as a pastor um, with a family. And it's so much easier on your family if you're willing to initiate that conversation rather than them having to come in and try to be the heavy. So have that self-assessment and that self-awareness. Thank you for that. I, I'm going to ask uh, each one of you just to kind of check in with me. These are the things that I uh, read about. I'll just read them off for you guys. Stiff joints and weak muscles, can that cause somebody to have trouble driving? Trouble seeing, we've talked about, trouble hearing. Uh, I don't think about hearing being an issue, but uh, Bob, I mean, how is hearing a problem for somebody being a safe driver? Uh, sure, hearing is a problem, especially when emergency services, police, fire come up to you, behind you, and we're trying to get around, that person doesn't even have a clue what's going on. So hearing, all of your senses play a critical role in safety out here uh, when we drive. Well, stay standing up because I'm asking one more. What about cognitive decline? What about people who are maybe having some memory loss or some trouble with orientation? Um, yes, that in particular causes great concern for us. Uh, especially if you start noticing every time you go to the store or church, someone keeps moving your car in the parking lot. continuously when you drive it is time to do that self-assessment uh, because we certainly don't want anything bad to happen to you so cognitively be aware but keep your keep your mind sharp exercise eat healthy interact get out and if you see a senior that's isolating help them to keep that cognitive ability as sharp as they can. We really gotta help each other out. Absolutely, yeah. we're all in this together. And we need your generation. Yeah. Like I said, you support law enforcement. The younger generation, we're a little concerned with. We need you, we need you. So Tara, you know, I asked 
you guys to give me some statistics on uh, silver alerts, and you sent me back a message saying that we had a 60-60 this year silver alerts. Yes. Uh, what would you say the majority of those are about? Um, oftentimes, um, it, it, it does involve that cognitive decline, unfortunately, um, because someone has gotten lost. Um, someone has not remembered their way home or has uh, decided to do something a little out of character for them. Um, so yes, a lot of times that is, or and, and medication. We see medication um, playing into that as well. Um, can I, can I speak just to, to one in particular yeah, that came please. out just a couple yeah. of weeks ago? Absolutely. Um, we had a silver alert come out just a couple of weeks ago, and it gave me great concern when I saw this. Um, it was a gentleman in his late 80s um, who had last been seen dropping his wife off at the airport. Um, he, uh, it was noted that he, he was diagnosed with dementia. I, do, I don't know what form of dementia. Um, he did have debit and credit cards on him, but probably did not have the cognitive wherewithal to be able to use them. So we could not track the cards. He did not have a cell phone, and his OnStar on his car was not active. So my question is, if he has such cognitive decline that he does not, that the family is aware that he's not capable of using his debit and credit cards, why was he driving by himself to drop his wife off? And why is his OnStar not active? And why does he not have a phone with him? We have no way of, of tracking him. He had no life alert. He had no, no tracking ability whatsoever. So we sent him out on the road knowing that his cognitive decline is such that he is not capable of getting gas and getting food with his credit card. But we sent him out. Those are those, those, those self-assessments and those hard conversations. Yes. You know, uh, so I think I'm, gonna, I'm also going to share with you some things I learned. This is a book that uh, uh, I read recently. I don't like the title very much, but it's a good book. It's called, I've Got Some Good News and Some Bad News. You're Old. <laughs> Tales of a Geriatrician. Uh, it's written by a geriatrician and a doctor that sees uh, people in their later years. And he talks, one chapter is devoted to transportation, and he talks about cognitive decline and how people come into his office and, and admittedly their spouse or themselves have problems with their memory, and yet they drove themselves to the doctor's appointment. And so um, he mentioned, and it got me thinking, he mentioned that there's a form that doctors can fill out, but that they're not required to. I'm assuming all of you have similar requirement, no mandate, but like you said, Bernita, you know, we can report people. Uh, they, you all have a copy of that form, by the way, on your table. I gave everyone a copy of the form. I wanted you to see what it looks like um, for Oklahoma. And you can fill it out, I can fill it out, a law enforcement officer can fill it out, a doctor can fill it out. I'm thinking about doing it and sending it in on my husband just to see how it works. <laughs> um, but it's a... Uh, <laughs> it might be a bad idea. Um, but the reason I wanted to share the form is I wanted you guys to kind of speak to the struggle maybe that you all have as professionals 
with do I fill out this form or don't I fill out this form and how do you balance, how do you weigh that decision against what you're observing with that person in front of you? Did any one of you want to take that on? Anybody? You bet. Mark, Mark, yeah, Mark, yeah, it's on. It just takes it a second to kick in. Yeah. Um, you asked yesterday. You here? Yeah, down a little bit, maybe. There you go. Okay. Where is it? Keep trying. It's on. The light's on anyway. Okay, so. it's not on yet, too. No, you're good. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, Vicki asked me yesterday, and I, I promise I would have had an answer for today, but I still am debating what that answer looks like because it's an, it's an easy thing to talk about. Like, hey, those forms are right on your on your table, you know, do as you will. But then you filling those out for a loved one, that's when that's when things get real. Um, my dad is going through exactly what I was going through when I was 22. I'm 32 now. Um, he has the same eye disease as I do. And um, he should not be driving. And Nikki asked me, would you turn him in to, to, to make him stop driving? Um, Actually, I think I asked you, why haven't you? Or why haven't you? <laughs> well, I couldn't see the form. You, know? <laughs> you were not as quick on your feet yesterday. <laughs> but back to someone, one of us, or I think it was Nikki that also mentioned that if you start, if you're the one who starts that um, process to your family, so your family doesn't have to be the ones to do it, um, my Lord, how, how easy that, that would make that process. Um, but I, I did, I thought about that a lot last night. And um, my answer is, is, is yes, but going, going through some steps before I get to that, that decision, which we've, we haven't had a, a little family intervention with him yet. Um, we joke about the duct tape that holds his side mirrors up. And, um, you know, that's not a sign, but um, yeah, it, it, my whole family. We, we That's a sign. Now, now, Mark, wait a minute. You can't skip the part where you told me what kind of car this is. He's the about. only man in South Tulsa with a Porsche that has duct tape holding up his side. Again, I handle blindness and losing sight, as does my family, with, with, with laughter and a comedic approach on it, but that's, there's nothing funny about hurting someone. He would not be able to live with himself if he hurt someone. So um, I'm going to start the process with my family to, because this life disease runs in our family. It's not new. It runs on all the men on my dad's side. My little brother has it, but he's never uh, had a chance to drive. My older brother had skipped him, and, and there's plenty of people on the family tree that have gone through this. And so, um, and he does all right for himself. So there are options outside of city transit for him to get around, whether it's a driver or whatnot. And we talked about spouses and some of the stress that, I mean, we'll talk more about that because that goes on in my family too. I have a side in life. Um, I made sure she had 20-20 before I married her. <laughs> but, but no, so on a serious note, to answer Nikki's question, yeah, I, I would fill that form out, but it would be after I've made some, some serious, um, Discussion with him beforehand. Give him the choice. To give him that choice yeah. to do so. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to put you on the spot on that, but I do appreciate you bringing it up because this is not something that just people, uh, that just certain people deal with. We all deal with it, I think, you know, um, for sure. Uh, anybody else want to feel that? Can you comment about the form? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say too. Um, 
When you do fill out that form for someone, if you're part of the family, then you have to think about, too, it's not just about them stopping driving. It's about now someone else has to take the responsibility to get them help, whether it's to get them help with some of our people here today that, that have rights for seniors, or whether it's a family member that's going to take them to their doctor's appointment. Believe me, you all know, when we get to this age, we're going to a lot of doctor's appointments. And somebody has to get them there. And, um, and then also, you mentioned food. It's important. Somebody has, it, luckily nowadays, we can buy groceries online. But not everybody our age wants to get into that, buying groceries online, because it's not the same as going and meandering around Walmart for a couple hours. Sometimes that's your entertainment. You and know? exercise. And, and exercise, yeah. And what about just, you know, ladies like to go shopping. Men do too sometimes, but women really like to go shopping, and we like to go to the mall. Well, you know, we got to find a way to get there. So when you, when you get ready to sign on the dotted line, know that what you're doing is, take, is, is taking on, unless it's a doctor doing it, but if you're part of the family, it's you taking on the responsibility now to drive them everywhere they need to go. I, I can't drive. I haven't driven in six years. My husband drives me because he's retired, luckily. Um, he drives me to work and back every day. I live in Luther, so it's, it's 60 miles round trip twice a day to bring me to work and then to come back and get me in the afternoon unless I'm really lucky to pick up a ride with somebody coming over here from Tulsa because we live right off the turnpike. But, um, but that, it's a whole new world because it's not going to be anything like it was before. You don't have the spontaneity to just hop in the car and run down to the convenience store and grab a loaf of bread. You don't have, you can't just hop in your car if, if, if you're the spouse and you don't go to church but the other person wants to go to church, somebody's got to take them or else their life and what they were doing before they lost their vision is not the same. And, and so it takes away all of your, um, you know, all of your freedom to just get up and go when you want to. You have to be dependent on somebody else. And so planning is really the key. It's huge. You have to plan ahead and, and you have to, yeah, Mark takes, takes uh, paratransit to work a lot and you have to plan several days in advance. I would share with that. I was a high drive share. Uh, We're going to do that in a second. Hold that thought. Yeah, okay. we get to resources. So I'm going to ask one more question about how law enforcement handles these kinds of things. Like somebody, for instance, who does hit somebody and drives off, not thinking that they did damage or not even realize. My grandmother, she would bump into people in the parking uh, at the Geary, in front of the Geary City Hall. She would back out in her little Ford Charger and they could see her through the glass windows. She'd hit the car next to her and they'd go home. And they called my dad and say, Ron, your mom hit a car out here. You know, she didn't stop or say anything. And he talked to her. She said, no, I did not. I did not hit a car. And he'd go out and look at her car, and there'd be a scrape down the side. He'd say, Mom, how did you get that scrape? He said, well, somebody must have hit me. <laughs> right? So now, how do you, as law enforcement, deal with things like that, as well as if you find that somebody is lost or or shouldn't be driving, in your opinion? How do you handle that? Sure, and I can share a, uh, an experience that happened about 12 years ago. 
I got a call off of the Broadway extension of an older gentleman. He had spun out on the side of the road. So, so I get there, he's 87, by himself, dry, driving to St. Louis. And this is at two o'clock in the afternoon. I said, sir, what happened? Another car cut me off, and the officer I had to pull over to the shoulder, and I spun out in the grass, and I asked him if he knew where he was going, and he kind of paused. He had that confused look, and I'm like, oh boy, what do I do here? And I, I, I said, well, and I talked to him for a while, and I should have filled the form out, but I didn't. I said, okay, sir, why don't you go ahead and get on your way, and you, are you okay to drive? Yes, I'm okay. I am fine. He was a little defiant, but got a little angry with me, and I'm trying to de-escalate and everything. And I said, well, I, I better follow this guy and make sure. So he pulls out, almost cuts two cars off, almost had another wreck. I'm like, oh my goodness, the Oklahoma City Police Department is going to be liable, or I am going to cause a deadly wreck. And, I got him stopped and I said, sir, you cannot drive because I just finished driving. I said, you're driving recklessly though. Uh, and stuff. To make a long story short, I contacted Adult Protective Services. There was an organization in Oklahoma City. I was able to drive him there, contacted a member in St. Louis who was gonna fly down and uh, pick him up. But law enforcement, we're a little, I know on our department, we're a little sympathetic but we do get frustrated with some of those seniors that just drive off or minimize what has happened. Um, so in accidents, for the most part, we're pretty much required to write the ticket if we determine who contributed to that accident. And then we try to contact a family member to intervene. So your family members, listen to them emphatically. But I think we sympathize with our seniors because we all know that we're going to be there one day but public safety is priority number one thank you for that yeah tara what about you guys on the sheriff's department um i i, I we echo the same sentiment we we do have some understanding um however there uh, there are legal consequences sometimes and and we can't ignore those as well um additionally um it's not just law enforcement. The public is less forgiving. Um, and so when you have those encounters with, we were talking about looking and the younger people, right? They're doing the same with us. And some of them aren't as forgiving. Road rage is, is on the rise. It's, it's tremendous. Um, you know, there was a, a, a lady that was ended up in shock because can I say this? She flipped somebody off. Now, this is a truth series. This is, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the truth. Okay, okay. Y'all can. Y'all are old enough to handle the truth, right? Yeah. She just flipped somebody off, and she loses her life over it. What's going to happen if you didn't see them and you pulled out in front of them, or you scraped to their car and didn't think that you did? You know. Those are the hard truths, if you will, about the world that we're living in. So, yes, while law enforcement supports our seniors and our seniors support law enforcement, that's not always the case with the world right now. Yeah, yeah. kind of a scary thought, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. That. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, 
let's shift gears slightly. Um, we have talked about how you know our licensing laws here are pretty liberal. People don't have to retest at a certain age, as I understand it. The um, renewal process, if you will, is the same for everybody, right? Yeah. So that means and, and you can yeah. renew online yeah. without ever even seeing anyone. Mark, go ahead. <laughs> Mark, Mark, tell them. This is tell I'm writing you out. I would never get, sorry, poor me again. I would never get back into the car again, but I am very hopeful for a cure one day. And I do renew that um, online. And, um, you know, to Cheryl's point, they don't know. But luckily, you know, I'm just waiting for a cure. So when that comes, I can hop back in the saddle. But um, no, I was, uh, I shared that information. And right when I did, I was like, eee. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the fact of the matter is, we have to be, we have to self-govern, right? We have to basically do the right thing. So let's talk about some solutions and things. Um, Renita, specifically, I know at Newview, you, you guys deal mainly with obviously low vision. Uh, some of our other sponsors and education partners deal with other issues. But what kind of therapies, what kind of resources are available to people? that want to be proactive as they're thinking about, should I stop driving or can I keep driving safely? Yeah, so um, so I was mentioning before the, the bioptic glasses, which are, they're great, but again, they're not for seniors. Um, there's just too much involved in, in the training and the, the reaction time that you have to have and that kind of thing. Um, so, and, and that's what finally got me. I could still see out of them, but I didn't have the reaction time and, and my eyes didn't accommodate as quickly whenever I looked out of the telescope. So, so that, was, that, was what, that was my age that got me there. Um, so, but beyond that, um, there's no magic bullet when it comes to specialty glasses or specialty lenses, except for things like that, the, the biopsy glasses. And I think they are still, I, I was in a debate with the doctor the other day, and I had to quit because he's the doctor. So I, not in our office, but he said bioptics were still um, legal in the state of Oklahoma. But I had heard that they weren't, so I don't know for sure. Um, but anyway, uh, as far as devices goes, that's pretty much what we have to offer. Um, but beyond that, it's learning how to use different forms of transportation. So. Mark is, is using paratransit. They call it paratransit because it picks you up at the door, at your door, and it takes you to wherever you need to go. So, and, and it is in regions, so it's not, you know, if you live in McLeod, you're probably not going to have access to it. But, um, and then there is a charge to it. It's, it's um, $3.50 if you live within, like, region one and region two, it's $7. That's each way. Um, and but it does it's a door-to-door -door service so it does take planning you have to contact them up to I think you can go up to a week prior to but there's never there's never um, it's never easy so I used it a lot I, I worked for the VA prior to coming back home to Oklahoma, Oklahoma. My, my home was in Edmond I grew up there but I was at 
San Antonio and I was working for the VA and that's when I decided I couldn't drive anymore. They had great public transportation down there, but the bus system didn't get me quite where I needed to go um, and it took a long time, but it was better than the paratransit because the paratransit would pick me up. I only lived three miles from the VA. They would pick me up at like 4.45 in the morning. I didn't have to be there till eight, but they had to go downtown to pick up somebody else that he also needed to go to the VA. So that's why they made that trip over to get them and then come back. And so I'd, I'd be there at like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning when, when I didn't even have to be there till eight, but I had to have a ride. And so, so that's one of the things you kind of might deal with in peak times. Now, if you're going to the doctor in the middle of the day, you might get a lot better time. But, um, and then the other thing is we teach people how to use the bus system, the city bus system. So um, it's not always ideal either. In our city, it's, it's good if you need to get someplace not too far away, but, um, but the route, there's not as many routes as what you're gonna find in Chicago or San Antonio or Dallas in the bigger cities. Um, but it's doable and you can make that work for you if you live close enough to a bus route. Um, and then the other thing that we teach people how to use is Lyft and Uber. And sometimes that's scary for seniors because they, you know, Mark uses it all the time. He's young, he's great, he's into technology. Nothing to be afraid of. Right. They're, and, they're just a, they're a taxi driver with multiple security checks for me to know. They, they are, they are. And they're not any more expensive than a taxi ride. And they're, they're um, you know, they do. They go through really rigorous, um, you know, checks on, on, you can rate them after you take your ride. And you might get a one or two, I've had one or two rides where it's a little hairy. Not that the driver was mean to me or anything, but um, he might not have been the best driver in the world, but you know, I got to where I needed to go. Better and driver than you are? Much better, which is just, that's that's not really matter. But if you have, but, and, and those, are, those are kind of the, and then all these you know, senior ride opportunities that you have with, with the other guests that are here. So um, those are, those are, that's pretty much it. As far as putting something on your face and being able to see better to drive, Make, just make sure your prescription glasses are as good as they can be, and then beyond that, it has to go to doing share. But before you sit down, Renita, can you talk about? And I have the slide up on the screen about the new view service for people in the North Metro area that you mentioned. Yeah. Can you talk about some of those things? I can. Yeah. So, um, so we have, you know, we're nonprofit, so we do a lot with grants. So right now, and, and it's it's going on. We have for the next two years. We have a grant from the organization called Area Wide Aging. And um, so that grant allows us to bring people in to be seen by our low vision doctor. And um, the qualifiers are you have to be 60 or over, and you have to live in Oklahoma, Cleveland, Logan, or Canadian counties. So all of everybody who comes in is going to see our low vision doctor. He's going to look at what functional vision you have left and he's going to make some recommendations. Then our occupational therapist that we have on staff is going to do an assessment of what you're, what you're not able to do anymore or what you're struggling with and she's going to write goals for that. Then our certified occupational therapy assistants are going to come out to your house and they're going to, the first thing they're going to do is a lighting assessment and then they'll talk to you about medication management. They'll put bump dots on microwave buttons so that you can feel them instead of having to see them. Um, they just do all kinds of basic, basic stuff that really cost very, very little. 
and then our orientation and mobility specialists come out to their house come out to your house and they'll do a safety assessment so you might need you when you walk out your front door if you've got six steps to get down to the sidewalk they can go in there and put tape on the edges of the steps so that you can see them and not trip and fall because god knows we don't want to trip and fall and break a hip at this age um, and then the assistive technology instructors can teach you how to use some apps on your phone like a magnifier or a color identifier or a money identifier or all kinds there's so many things on smartphones nowadays to where you don't have to buy all kinds of equipment to use it's all right there in your phone and a lot of people don't know about it so all of that stuff is included some of it's done in our office some of it's done in your home but all of it is at no cost to you the grant pays for everything and if you can't get to the office, we'll send a, a car to come get you. They, they will come at you. It might be an Uber, but don't be afraid. It won't be Mark. It won't be Mark. That's right. Um, so, um, yes, we can come and pick you up, bring you in, and then we can take you home as well. And the last piece of it is that they allow us to give you $100 worth of free devices. So it might be a magnifier. They're always high-quality magnifiers. They're not the kind you get off the counter because those are not good-quality magnifiers um, and, and whatever else we can give you with the leftover. All that information's over there. It, it, yeah, stop by, our, stop by our table afterwards. I'll give you a flyer that has all that information and um, you do not have to have a doctor referral. You can just call us up and make an appointment. Beautiful, yeah. Now, I, you know, we usually tell people they can't do commercials from the, the, the stage, per se, but that was a well worthwhile commercial, yeah? yeah. Right, okay. And by all means, tell your friends yeah. about it, too, because it's not just for us in here. It's for anybody you know that might could use that. So I mentioned, you know, that we have all these best-kept secrets, and they can only do so much to get the word out, and we've got to spread, spread it ourselves so to help them out. Okay, so a couple of other things uh, real quick before I, uh, I'm going to let you guys think about anything you want to add but I'm going to ask uh, where's Michael with United Access Leslie uh, April and Shelly if you guys would come up please and I'm going to ask these guys to share a little bit about the resources they have I didn't have uh, you know we can't have 20 people on a panel or I would have because these guys are definitely if you could share your mic Tara um, so I'm going to ask each one of them to uh, share, let me hit the button to maybe, there we go, is that better? Okay, so um, I'm going to, oh, we're, we're videoing, so he's wanting to get you guys on camera, that's why, yeah. Okay, so Michael, or Mike, yeah, so stand right here for me. Share with everybody what United Access does, what kind of services. Stand up here closer. There we go. I promise Bob does not lie. Get it. No yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Mike Van Ort. I'm with United Access here in Oklahoma City. And what we are is we are referred to as a mobility, automotive mobility dealer. Uh, what that means is uh, we install modifications on vehicles as well as uh, sell vehicles that are fully accessible for people with physical challenges. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Sure. Can people who have a stroke or a uh, spinal cord injury, for instance, still drive? Is that legal? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So basically, uh, one of the main things to take into consideration when you're faced with a physical challenge like that is, uh, you know, 
whether or not you think that it's just a physical issue. If if it's cognitive, obviously, you know, talk with your family about that. But um, a lot of what we see is more on kind of the physical end. Um, and as a our governing body for our industry is National Mobility Equipment Dealers Association. And basically, they write the rules and regulations for how we have to operate in order to fall within their um, in their rule set. Um, so, as you can imagine, we get calls all the time from people who need some sort of driving control installed on their vehicle in order to maintain their independence. Um, one of the big things that we have to do in order to fall within those guidelines is we refer the client out to a certified driving rehabilitation specialist. And basically what that specialist is gonna do is they're gonna assess the needs of the client on the visual, physical, uh, range of motion type of, uh, type of things, reactionary uh, end of things. And then from there, they're gonna draw up a prescription for what the uh, physical needs are gonna require of the vehicle, what kind of modifications might need to be done to the vehicle in order for that person to maintain driving. So for instance, Adam, who was gonna be here today, right. or couldn't be here, right? He is uh, in a wheelchair, yep. can't he's use his legs. Yep. So he drives with his hands, I understand. Yes, so he's got a set of controls installed on his vehicle to where he actually just transfers into his vehicle from his wheelchair, loads his wheelchair manually. He's got a wheelchair that breaks apart and he kind of pulls it across himself to get it over into the passenger side of the vehicle. And then from there, he can take off and drive using a set of uh, hand controls, which basically operate the gas and the brake of the vehicle from his hands. Uh, he also has a steering device that he just grabs onto with one hand, and he can steer the vehicle. It's called a spinner knob. Now, I don't think it's really fair he gets to do that, and I can't do that. <laughs> right. I just want to say, yeah. just putting in a little word there. That's why we have to have a prescription. Okay, gotcha. So, so I, I, I wanted them to be able to tell you this because when I went online and saw what they did, I thought, you know what, um, we see these kind of vehicles that are almost say retrofit, if you will, right? But we don't often know how does that get done and what is the process for that. So if someone were to have a stroke or some sort of debility that caused their body to not function, but their mind is completely fine, then they should seek out those services. How would they, do they call you first? Or um, they call, who do they know, call first? It all kind of depends on how that, how that rolls out for that individual. Uh, sometimes the individual is surrounded with a community that kind of gets behind them and does the research and knows exactly where to go. Uh, sometimes the individual's kind of on their own and they're just doing the research themselves and they might come across us first. Uh, so, it, you know, that's where it becomes important for us to stay within our guidelines yeah. and not just not just install these controls for anybody. Right. I can't uh, just so pull up tomorrow and say, hey, I'd like to drive with my Exactly. Absolutely. That's probably a good thing. So then we, yeah. we just kind of refer them out to uh, the driving evaluator in the area. Um, unfortunately, believe it or not, uh, in the state of Oklahoma, we do not have a certified driving rehabilitation specialist right now. We do have driving evaluators, uh, 
who prescribe these controls, um, but we are in desperate need. So if anybody knows anyone who's, uh, you know, maybe a physical therapist or anything like that who would like to get that kind of certification, I think our community can certainly use it. There's a niche right there, yeah. Absolutely. All right, perfect. I'm gonna have you pass the mic to uh, Shelly for me. Thank you. Give him a round of applause, please. Guys, uh, Shelly and her team at Able Tech, uh, Oklahoma Able Tech, I should say, yes, yeah. uh, at OSU, she came from Stillwater today to be with us. And stand up here a little bit closer. If you need to, need to lean, you can. I should have bought my own assistant technology. Yeah. I always bring a step stool with me so you can actually oh, see me. Yeah. <laughs> Bless your heart. I know. I'm usually the short one in the right. room, so it's a thank you. It's a better. better for me today. Yeah. I make a lot of people feel better. So, Shelly, tell them a little bit about Oklahoma Able Tech and what resources specific to driving you might be able to help with, and then they can talk with you about some of the others as well. Sure, sure. Let me, um, if you don't mind, spend just a quick minute about what, what Able you Tech are. is. Yes. Sure. Um, believe it or not, there's a law. There's a federal law that says every state has to have an Assistive Technology Act program. We're charged with helping our state individuals, individuals that reside in our state of any age, um, any arena, any disability, find and explore assistive technology resources. We don't sell anything, we're not, in fact, it's part of the law is that we don't sell anything, but we want to help people make that informed decision to find that gadget, that device, uh, that piece of equipment that's gonna help them do something more independently or better than what they did without it. Um, and so we cover every arena of assistive technology, and one of those arenas is modified vehicle access. And part of that, too, in our goggles is looking at mobility and seating and things like that. So we have different, some of the devices I brought today are devices that might help you transfer into the wheelchair better and into the vehicle better maybe transfer from a wheelchair to the vehicle seat a little bit better. Um, maybe a handle to help you, you know, shimmy into that seat a little bit. Especially if you have those big vehicles, right? You're getting your kids to be in a big vehicle and it's really bigger than you get your hip up in there in. I saw that one, I'm gonna get one of them. I'm four foot 11. I drive and explore without the side grip, the, the Yes, the steps, the running board, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. So I actually have one of those handles in my car to help me get into the car, or when my mom needs to get in that car, because I didn't come by this height on my own. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about Able Tech. We help people just try to explore what those options are, um, and, and even borrow the devices to take home and use in your own car. Um, and then we have a couple of programs to help people get access to that um, technology for the long term. Low cost loans, things like that. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, so you have your information over there. I would encourage you guys to pick that stuff up. You guys also do demonstrations. We do. Uh, similar to what we're doing today, right? Yes, we do do demonstrations. And in fact, two of our partners, we partner with agencies across the state to help us in New View. Um, in Oklahoma City and in Tulsa are some of our partners, and United Access is one of our partners. So we want to partner with those experts that really do hone in on those specialized areas to provide that expertise. All right, go folks. Yeah. All right, give them a hand. All right. All right. And if you want to stay up here, Shelly, um, for questions, yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, ITN. 
and what you guys do and what you can offer to this group. So I remember when ITN first came in, I was like so grateful because uh, we have retired senior volunteer program, which we'll talk about, but ITN's a little more versatile. So is there an age limit? Like, is there an age group that you serve? We are a nonprofit senior transportation service. Yeah. Nonprofit, okay. And we serve seniors in Oklahoma County, 65 and over. We also serve adults with limited vision issues. So speak up just a little bit. Okay. Hold that a little closer. A little closer. All right. Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right. How old do they have to be? 65 and over. Okay. And how far? Uh, and they have to live in Oklahoma County. Yes, the ride, they need to be in Oklahoma County. If they're slightly over, we can often accommodate that. But. All right, and what are your drivers, who's your driver pool? Most of our drivers are volunteers, and they're typically people who are recently retired, and so some of you might be interested in this. Um, our, our, our senior driving, for our senior program for riders is that you, you sign up and then our volunteers, or sometimes a paid driver, will take you where you need to go. It's kind of like Uber, but it's more like having your neighbor do it. They're in their personal vehicle. You get to know them over time. Um, and they, do they stay with you at your appointment? It, it depends on what the needs are. Okay. But then the other thing about it is if you still drive and love to drive, you can volunteer as a driver for our program, and we give you credit for the miles you drive. And those can be banked for future use. So if you need a knee replacement down the road and need rides for that, or they can also be donated to a family member or friend that you know that needs rides. So there's a couple of different ways that we can uh, help seniors in the community. The main thing I wanted you guys to hear about this uh, from my perspective is that uh, you need to schedule it a little bit in advance, usually, right? There's an application right. to sign up, and then once um, you sign up and get your, your ride started and these are these are affordable rides but they're not free um, you do need to sign up and then have your uh, information in advance you give us but it's, it's not an application so people who don't like technology we're real easy you give me a phone call and you say I need to go to the doctor next week or I need to go to the grocery store or the bank or I want to meet a friend at Red Lobster or go to the mall yeah we, have it, it, we don't have any particular uh, requirements on where the rides can be they just have to be in Oklahoma County all right so and I also wanted you guys to hear too that their, their drivers are background checked um, there's insurance all that kind of stuff drivers go through a background check and driving record check and, uh, and yes they are insured and then by, the, by their their own insurance plus we have insurance on top of that. Awesome. And as a family member, <clears throat> pardon me, I can actually set up an account for someone else and then they can just use it, right? That's right. The, the, the account can be set up for the individual or it could be managed by a family member. Right. Um, and we get calls often from, from children of drivers who are trying to find a way to have that conversation with their parents. Yep but be able to give them an option yeah, process. Well, we so just talked about earlier, So right? that it's not just yeah. immediately, I'm gonna take away your keys, but okay, maybe maybe for a few rides, maybe for longer rides, as you start to test what's what's good for you and what's not. If it's if it's further away or if it's on busy highways, whatever, you know, you might wanna use, use our service for some of those types of rides and still go to your grocery store that's a couple blocks away as you begin to transition. And uh, the other, one last thing I would say is that we do have uh, free eye care rides too. So if you are part of our service and need to go to the eye doctor or um, even to the eyeglass store, 
we can do those for free as long as we know that that's what they are ahead of time. I did not know that. All right, very good. Give her a hand, you guys. All right, April. Uh, April uh, looked at me terrified when I said I was going to have her come up here. This is not part of her job description, but she's going. She's doing great. She's so articulate. Okay. So April is with Retired Senior Volunteer Program. They have an organization or a part of the organization called Provide a Ride. Yes, and what kind of rides do you guys provide uh, through your service? So what we do is we provide transportation for 60 years of age and over for low-income seniors to get to their medically related appointments. Um, you have to live in Oklahoma County and uh, there is some qualifications like um, like those low incomes, but it's actually pretty high. Okay. So a lot of our seniors actually get to their rides and we utilize our volunteers from the RSVP of Central Oklahoma to actually take our sweet, wonderful clients to their medical appointments. If I recall correctly, they become usually fast friends with the people oh. they drive around. Yeah. Yes, we have such a good rapport with our drivers and our clients. Yeah. Do you happen to know off the top of your head what that income threshold is? Yes, so it does go by household, and um, for one person household, it's 25,700. Okay. For two, it's 34,7, and for three, it's 43,7. Okay, and so they don't they don't worry about what you have in the bank, it's just nope. your income. Just your gross income per, okay. uh, per annual, so right. per year. It's not your net assets. If you have a bazillion dollars in the bank, but all you're bringing home is 35,000, then that's what they're counting. That's right, okay, got it. All right, is there anything, they're also looking for drivers. We are very so, much looking for volunteer drivers and the process is super easy. Um, there is an application, in fact, I have applications over here. We work with several different nonprofits, but also um, if you're tech savvy and you like to get on the internet, you can go to rsvpokc.org and fill out an application. Right. Awesome, thank you guys, give her a hand. All right, so, um, I did we steal, Tara? All right, so let's, uh, we're going to go to questions from the audience. Uh, yes, assessments, thank you. Uh, J-Lo, stand up for me. Everybody wave at J-Lo. Kind of stand up here closer, J-Lo. All right, so come up here, actually. Just come on up here. You guys got to meet J-Lo. So uh, J-Lo works, actually, in about five or six different places. So let's see if I can remember. So first and foremost, he drives that beautiful motor coach that you see that Spanish Cove has. They just got a brand new one, and he's the driver for that. All right, so that's always, I've been on that motor coach, and it's a lot of fun. I don't know how you do it, but you do it well. He also drives for the Yukon School System. He also drives for Village Travel. And he also teaches driver's ed at UConn. And there's one more thing, what did I miss? I drive activities for UConn schools. Well. And he drives for activities, so sports and different things. Okay, so he drives the big buses, you guys. And he's pretty good at it. Uh, Jalo, what, what would happen if they needed or wanted to do like a driver training or an exam? Are those services available or is that something they can hire people like yourself to do? Well, they may be available. I'm not sure. You're not doing no. it. Yeah. I teach driver education, as yeah. Nikki alluded to, for UConn Public Schools, and I've I've done that this time for 12 years, and I've seen good from bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's it's an experience in itself. If you've never had the privilege of doing that for young people, but it's I love it. I really do. And. One other job that I used to have, Nikki, that I didn't tell you about is I was a driver license examiner for the state of Oklahoma. 
I, I, I did that through Yukon Public Schools. And I quit roughly five years ago. And the reason is I got no enjoyment out of seeing girls and boys cry when they fail. <laughs> so, so I thought, why am I doing this? And so I decided teaching kids how to pass the drive test was much more enjoyable than administering the drive test itself. And granted, if the kid passed, yes, it was most enjoyable because they're just static. They're just overwhelmed with happiness. But when they didn't, no, it was the exact opposite. So I quit doing that and delivered my energy strictly to teaching kids how to pass the drive test. And I've had all kinds of drivers uh, during that time frame. I mean, I've had Asperger's, other special needs, deaf students, but I said it, Mark, no offense, but I drew the line at life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, I mean, I, it, and I thought with a deaf student, how does that work? And I didn't think about it until I was getting about a week away from nothing. And then they told me, well, her brother was going to be there. And I thought, well, but if he's in the back seat yeah. signing, it's going to be in reverse. Now, how's that going right. to pan out? So, but I didn't know at the time that he was a driver and student as well. Oh <laughs> so gosh. that was the reason he was going to be in the car, because I was going to drive with his sister initially and then him later. Uh, and it, it turned out that that young lady, because she lacked that one sense, the rest of them kicked in. And you can relate to that, Mark, that you were, it's like you've been re-educated in a different way. But it's about training, isn't it, Jason? It is. Yeah. It is. And yeah. to this day, that, that her third drive, I had her driving downtown Oklahoma City, and she had never driven prior to that. Never. And I've had students drive since they're eight, and I know policemen don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to hear that. But I've heard, and I've even had students, which I don't recommend, driving at 13 years old by themselves, picking up their sibling at school. And, and There's I, a special license for that. <laughs> <laughs> there is. It's actually a special life. Is there? Well, I don't know yes. about that. There is. It's called living in small town America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to wrap this up, J Lo, real quick. So I, I, wanted, I wanted you to see J Lo in person because here's the thing, guys. When you live at some place like Spanish Cove or Bradford or Concordia, they all have drivers. And a lot of people move to communities because they want to be able to continue to take trips and go places and do the things that all of these folks are talking about and one of those solutions for people is sometimes senior living communities and so Jayla what percentage do you have any idea get a guess what percentage of people drive that live at Spanish Cove? Uh, no uh, majority of them independent yeah. living the majority of them do. But they still take advantage of the transportation services when they want to. The, some of them do yeah. yes and I, could, I already know what the answer is, but let me see a show of hands that appear in the audience that are driving, but no, they shouldn't be. I saw a hand here and then a hand here, so we get this one and then I'll get right here. Yes? I just want to make a comment that when you work with somebody that needs to give up their driver's license, because we went through that when Jess had a stroke, 
he was willing to do that and without any problem, and I was very thankful for that. But I lost a lot too because I couldn't, I could no longer say in front of the store like this. So just that's yeah. something else to be aware of that you're going to take on more that way too. So uh, those of you who don't know Carol and Jess, uh, Jess had a stroke many years back and stopped driving. And Carol just pointed out, she said, just be thinking about when that person stops driving and you're talking to the family potentially about that, that it's not just uh, the driver that's affected, it's the spouse or the kids or whomever, kind of what Renita was saying, that uh, it, it definitely adds a lot to their plate, so to be sensitive to that. Okay, yes, question, Mr. Crazy. Yeah, so, oh, of course. His question is, is there brochures on everything everybody else does? I'm just going to feel that. The answer is yes. If you were to walk back on that side of the room, start right here, walk around, they all have brochures and they all have cards or other materials with their information on it. And then over here on uh, the same, we've actually, I ordered three brochures from Hartford Insurance. Nice worksheets, workbooks, different, three different topics. They were free. Uh, and there's about 50 of each one of them back there on different issues related to driving. There's some great resources out there. You just have to look for them, right? Okay. And in fact, I've got plastic cups out there. Keep them on your dashboard so when you get pulled over, show the officer. It says Oklahoma City, please in my <laughs> Like let's say it's a doctor, 
and they say this person has cognitive impairment or something like that, they can suspend the license immediately. So they notify your license is suspended pending evaluation, in which case you would go get an assessment done and you could then appeal it and get it back if it turns out that you are okay to drive. But if the doctor or law enforcement will be the other one says these are the things, then chances are they're going to just take your license right then and send you notification of that. So, yeah, I wouldn't do it as a joke, like I was saying, because that could be bad. Um, yes, Leonard. Uh, a question in the situation. Uh, I have been told, and I don't know where I heard it, that the real car companies are doing or considering doing an age limit on renting cars. Okay, so the question is rental cars. Do we know if they're doing an age limit on uh, rentals? Uh, I can feel that. I can only speak for my company, but um, we have uh, wheelchair accessible vehicles that we rent to be to uh, clients all the time, and we do not have an age restriction on that. As long as you have a valid driver's license yeah. and full coverage insurance, uh, we would rent. So, you know, I tried to have an insurance person here today and I failed miserably, I apologize, but I did ask several questions of some people and what I'm finding is that it varies from state to state. Um, I'm also finding that there's a, there's got to be some legislation usually, and I, I don't know about you guys, I feel like it's ageism. Uh, it's a major issue of ageism, in my opinion, for them to do that, but guess what, they already do it. Uh, you can't rent a car in some places if you're not 25. Uh, and so they already do it, so they can. It's just a matter of, I think, if there's enough people that, that throw a fit, uh, it might be a problem. But uh, again, it's very ageist, if you ask me. Yes, ma'am. Yep, that's you. <laughs> Two things. Uh, one, with Uber, you've got to be prepared. Uh, you may end up with somebody who's driving who is not sensitive to the senior needs or yeah. sensitive to uh, yeah. your feelings whenever they're right. driving you, and be impatient. The other thing, uh, when you're doing a driver's license or ID, you may have to wait two or three weeks for an appointment, or a month, or two months, you never know. So be sure and check that ahead of time so that you can prepare for that. Yeah, just a couple of cautionary tales. Uber, uh, you don't know who you're gonna get, but you also can decline a driver. Um, you can say, I don't want to ride with this person. But the other thing is on your driver's license, don't forget there's a time lag uh, on getting those renewed uh, as well. So make appointments. Yes, ma'am, question. And I, I would like to, if I could, restrict your uh, commentary to questions rather than comments because um, we're limited on time and I want to make sure that we get everybody's questions in. So yes, ma'am. Yeah, so the, all the research I did on the form, if you fill out that form, send it to DPS, it is an anonymous form. But I will tell you that the website says there is no guarantee of anonymity if the process progresses. Like let's say they, uh, they want to come in and, and uh, what do you want to call it, um, argue with, contest, thank you, contested. Uh, it could it could come out. So again, you have to decide: Are you willing to look that person in the eye and tell them it was you? Uh, the doctor in his book says some interesting things. He says, you know, after a doctor's appointment, somebody comes in and they've met, 
And he said, then they, he fills out the form and they come stomping into his office and they say, did you have anything to do with this? And he says, yes, I did. And he said, they're usually not very happy with him and sometimes they don't come back, but he has to live with that. And he says, I have to know that I did the best thing, not just for them, but for my grandkids on the road or my family on the road. So, yeah, so no guarantees, but they tell you yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say too that um, I probably misspoke a little bit when they brought up someone having a stroke. Um, there are glasses that, that um, they can put what they call a prism in it because a lot of times with a stroke, you'll lose some field of view. And with prism glasses, sometimes they can, they can get your field of view back enough that it doesn't affect your driving. So uh, we get a lot of people who don't want to come to the eye doctor because they're afraid that they are going to get turned in. But when it comes to something like that, there are, there are a couple of things that we can do. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the last question and then I'm going to direct people to go back to their tables to ask these guys specifics. Betty, you're it. Yes, um, I just wanted to ask this gentleman who mentioned uh, teaching writing. He mentioned something about somebody that might have Asperger's. Do students have to um, go to a special writing teacher uh, if they have Asperger's or some other are there special classes for driving for people who may have Asperger's or autism or something like that? Not at the high school level, there is not. I mean, they're, they're, they're treated just like every other student. Uh, and now on the form that I get as, a, as an instructor, it'll annotate what problem they may have. Uh, and Asperger's is one of them, but I, I mean, I've had... There's a whole lot of stuff in there. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so guys, because of time, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it off. I apologize. I have a couple of quick announcements. So I'm going to let these guys go over and get to their tables so you guys can meet with them. Can we give them another round of applause? And thank them? Yeah. Okay, so before you leave, please fill out the evaluation that was on your table. And in that, on the evaluation, there's a place that you can write any unanswered questions that you may still have. If you fill that out and you put your information at the bottom and you can't stay and talk with folks today, we'll make sure that someone follows up with you to answer your question. If you don't put your contact information on there, we can't do that. So make sure if you ask a question that we have your contact. Here are two more classes you need to know about coming up. Tomorrow, actually, oops, uh, at Concordia, we're doing a uh, seminar on the art of family communication, taking charge of your downsizing decisions. If you're thinking about moving from your home or make even the transportation issue be a part of this conversation, how to do that with your family effectively. Tomorrow at Concordia at 2 o'clock. They're limited seats, so if you're going to register for that, you can do it on your eval. Just check the little box. The other one is next month, right here, at 10 a.m. on the 8th of September, The Truth About Health Care for Seniors. We're going to talk about all the various different types of health care options, the hospitals, the urgent cares, the rehabs, the skilled, the you name it. What are they? What do we need to know about them? Um, I'm confused, I don't know about y'all, but it would be very helpful to be unconfused about that. Can we agree? Yep. 
And then uh, lastly, I did not know that Newview taught how to use Ubers. I love that. I did not know that. And uh, we are also going to, Shannon and the Buckaloo team and the OKC Mature Moves team are going to do a workshop on this only for SLTS people, only for y'all, people who come to the Truth Series. Uh, from 1 to 4.30 on August 24th, if you write on the bottom of your evaluation, if you write the word Uber on the bottom of your evaluation, we will contact you to schedule a time for that day. And what we're going to do is teach you how to use Uber by taking you on an Uber ride. We're going to help you download it on your phone, schedule the ride for a few blocks down, show you how it works, show you how to tip, show you how to schedule the ride and finish the ride. If you would like to do that in person with us, you're welcome to sign up. Just write Uber at the bottom of your form. Okay, I think that's all my announcements.